good, great directors are aware of that. They know that they're like the conductor of the orchestra, orchestra. Like, yeah, they're there to do their job, but they know that they won't be able to do their job without everyone else who's also doing their job. And it's nice. Like, I never would have seen someone talking about like DPs and stuff on Twitter. Like, oh, mm. Greg Fraser is amazing. And seeing people talking about the director of photography on Twitter, like for me, that's just kind of amazing because you just wouldn't have seen that before. So okay. that's why I'm saying like. In the last five years, I think things have changed a lot. And I think even like shows like Euphoria, like everyone's talking about the makeup. Everyone's talking Oh, because they use that anti-poor thing, don't they? Well, yeah, season two, they've done that. But like yeah. in season one, like that, the way that everyone was talking about it, like obviously there's films where people talk about the makeup, but it wasn't to that extent where it's so, mm. you know, it's everywhere. So I think there is more appreciation now, even like the Game of Thrones film they did at the very end of season eight. And they didn't just do the big, huge, you know, head of departments. They were doing like the guy who does the snow. Yeah. <laughs> like little things like that. And there's this real appreciation for like crew now that's slowly happening. So I think they took time to each other because for me, my ideal situation is being financially comfortable and successful in my career without compromising the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people struggle with that in this industry because of like, like I was saying like 14 hour days and stuff like that um you don't you don't get a life outside of it and that's what people were striking about hello everyone and welcome to chai with rai hi i'm your host rai and if you haven't done so make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode if you love this podcast and are listening to this on spotify apple Podcasts, audible or wherever you stream your podcast from if you could do me a teeny tiny kind favor and take out two seconds to rate the podcast and share it on your stories your social your pinterest oh it's making a comeback your tumblers is that still around the twitters the flitters the tiktoks the gram whatever's the whatsapps and just spread the word it organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before puts us in top spaces for all of the podcast streaming spaces and overall just shares the love (laughs) now today's show is such a beautiful conversation between myself and amrita mudan who is a brilliant prosthetics makeup hair that sort of creative i don't know why i'm saying it like that but amrita works in the world of prosthetics makeup and hair or as the industry likes to call her glam team glam team can we have somebody from the glam team which we talk about and her pet peeve with that word which ps can i just say i have a pet peeve with that as well but it is such a beautiful conversation we have today on mental health and how our worth self-love and our confidence is connected to our work as creatives and what happens to us at the lowest of the lows when we're not getting work and we're basically just stressed about survival or just living life and how to get out of that we talk about representation as well in the prosthetics and hair and makeup world the routes to take in order to get successful such as taking the university route versus apprenticeships or shadowing people until you get jobs we also get into discussing influencer route and when it comes to marketing yourself and your work versus the industry behind the scenes taking the route through an agency or connecting yourself to a brand and celebrity and growing your work through that we also talk about working as a freelancer and the barriers one faces not only just as a freelancer but being south asian and a woman through the lens of culture and the industry itself also just a little tidbit amrita and i worked on a film last year together and how we connected so much was through our love of 
Korean skincare and our love of the two people, well, two of the many people who I think are like the most sexiest and chungiest, is that a word to even say? Chung tings? Um, <laughs> I think just amazing and such charismatic people that I don't know them, but they seem to be, who are Nikish Patel and Adrian Lima. And as some of you know, my brain works in a very peculiar mind, so I was intrigued to know on how they smelled, which is one of the questions I asked Amrita. So you gotta stay tuned until the end of the show, because Amrita actually tells us how they both smelled. So, I hope you're looking forward to this one. I'm gonna warm up my dishroom chai that I got, put in a bit of saffron that I got in from Dubai as well, add a little bit of cashew milk. I recently have been really obsessed with cashew milk, I don't know why. And make sure to warm up your cuppers as well. I'm gonna stop talking and let's dive into today's episode. Thank you for joining Hi. me. I'm good, how are you? I'm good. Thank <laughs> you for making your tea. It was literally <laughs> two minutes ago. What yeah, I just took my tea bag out. <laughs> uh, um, and then we're not gonna mention the fact that you've just woken up from a nap. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> was it nap at least nice? Uh, yeah it was a good usually I can't fall asleep quickly but I knocked out straight away so I needed the nap oh fair enough fair <laughs> enough and now you're refreshed and we're gonna get in to the show so I like to start the show with a little bit of a bang okay mm -hmm. so we are gonna play this game which is called the five second rule okay basically I'm gonna give you three things to name list sing whatever and you have five seconds to do that so if I was to say name three paintings by Andy Warhol you have five seconds to do it do you know what I mean yeah I know but I definitely not get you not even get one I like your confidence I like <laughs> it I like it all right so let me just pull up the questions and let's do this welcome to five second rule which i've stolen from an american tv show all right your first question is in five seconds please name three objects beginning with the alphabet oh Wait, go oh, go oh, um orange object <laughs> <laughs> i said object object <laughs> it's too much pressure <laughs> Sorry. Oh, i played that game you know there's a game you can get a game uh, like a board game of that can you actually? Huge stack of cards, like probably like 300 cards or something. And it's the same rule as you get five seconds and it's just question, random questions like that. It's really fun. I was really good at it then. I don't know why I was so bad just now. But... Oh, the brum is coming out of you. The brum is coming All right. <laughs> Second one. Next three things you say to yourself after doing a number two. Go. Uh, <laughs> that was smooth. <laughs> that was smooth. <laughs> oh, I can't think of what else. I don't speak to myself after a bit. Basically, for you to do something that was smooth. All right. Okay. This you can sing or you can just hum. Okay. Sing three original songs Shakira would make up on the spot whilst she is shopping at Asda. Go! <laughs> oh, I was trying so hard, I was thinking so hard. Five seconds isn't long enough for a question like that. But I have wanted as somebody, I have recycled this, this specific question and nobody, like everybody, I, one person has answered and they were just like, la 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 la, or like. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. Last two questions. 
Name three things we would find in your fridge. Go. Um, jalapenos, milk, um, Greek yogurt. That's good. <laughs> got one, got one, got one. All right, last one. List three things you cannot live without. Go. Um, mascara, water. <laughs> My family. Oh, I wish I had an audience that would just clap right now. And then that would be that. It is a sound effect after. I probably will. I probably it's it's gonna be a whole lot of editing. But how's your week been? How has your month been? How has the new year been? It's been probably one of the hardest years of my life. Mm. Um, it's deep, deep quickly. <laughs> um, I graduated in 2018 and my work's been like semi-consistent since then mm -hmm. it got more consistent in 2020 and for like the first six months of 2021 and then it just like majorly slowed down so I have I had one job in January um with a team that I worked with for 10 weeks in 2021 which was amazing to see them all again but I haven't had any other work like my work has just dried up I don't know why that's been like quite hard to wrap my head around I think a lot of people are going through it right now mm. um, I think initially everyone thought maybe it's because of COVID but everyone else seems to be working so yeah <laughs> maybe it's not COVID <laughs> yeah trying to deal with the sort of mental feeling of like like oh is it me why you know have people decided to go with someone else and why didn't they want to go with me again like as in like previous connections and stuff like that and then finally started therapy in January so that's been different like everyone tells you how hard it is but when you start it really oh oh this is really hard <laughs> dealing with a lot of things that we suppress right so yeah you go into it thinking oh I've got this and this and this problem and then they mm. tell you all the rest of the things you've got wrong with you and it's like oh okay and like it, it's like okay on one hand you feel positive that you're working through it like oh I'm really putting time into working on myself but that first beginning bit where you're just trying to process and like before you start healing mm -hmm. it's just brutal and that's the bit I'm in right now so that's how my year has gone so far do you find it as well that I I don't know if I ever had this conversation with you I have had it with a couple of friends that I think as creatives when we are not on this sort of there's no path for us that's laid out right like in terms of like how it is for engineers or lawyers like this is the steps that you need to do in order to get a job and I think there's no path for us that is carved out regardless of if you go into education or not but our self-esteem and our self-worth and loving ourselves is so in tied with our work because that is what we're all about. So when we don't get booked, when we don't get the opportunity to create and to be in those spaces and to be with fellow minded people and to be paid for the things that we want to do and we've trained in and that have a passion for, that is a dark place. So dark. That so is dark that is a dark place and I don't know how like the the thing that makes me feel sad about the industry for such a long time is that there there's a lot of talent there's so much talent in the industry it's just I fail to understand sometimes why everybody doesn't have the equal opportunity to be shining and also not everybody wants to be the next whatever do you know what yeah. I mean some people just want to like be yeah so do you have that as well where you're learning to separate because I had to learn to separate 
my self-worth and self-love and self-esteem from my work and from who I am, which is so hard to do and I still can't do it. I, I same same situation. I'm trying, but it's so hard because like like you said, like for example, my dad always wanted to be me to be a lawyer or a dentist. Like those two were like his two faves. Like <laughs> oh, so good. He was such a good lawyer. And I'm like, he's always like, you have such a good memory. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be a lawyer. <laughs> I even did law work experience with my uh cousin. Yeah. Barrister. And I hated every second of it. And I felt so bad because he probably had like a million people trying to shadow him. <laughs> and he had me, his little cousin. <laughs> he didn't want to be there. Um, so going through that and then saying, fighting for like, no, I want to be creative. I want to do this. I want to be an artist. Um, and then that period, I mean, I don't know how, how common it is now because it's changed a lot in the last five years or so, but like, that period of doing work for free all the time. Mm, time for praying. Yeah. yeah. Like, we were fighting to, to stop that now, but I probably didn't get paid for two years of work because I was just constantly jumping on, oh, can you do this shoot? Can you do this shoot? And because I, I, I was taught the mindset in uni, just say yes to everything for experience and then build a portfolio and then you can start they didn't even talk to us about rates you just I just kind of figured that out myself so it, it that that hard work with no pay mm. like you don't hear about that with other jobs <laughs> like you might start at a lower salary yeah you're paid and then you work your way up like for example dentistry or law or whatever but in a creative world it's like you're kind of just on your own until you're not well, I was going to ask you about that because you did BA in prosthetic performance and makeup at University of London, right? Arts of London, Arts London. And uh, hair, makeup and prosthetics for performance. Yeah, that's it. And then I was looking through your page and I was just like, I am fascinated to know how these jobs were for you. And I was going to ask you, but you've kind of already answered in regards to unpaid work. Well, sometimes, you know, in the start, we need to take jobs to build like a resume. Yeah. But you worked as a creature effects assistant at Thor Park. And you were a hair assistant at Madame Tussauds. And you went to Belgrade Theatre, which I have been to recently to see a play. And I just wanted to ask you, what were those three experiences like? So the Madame Tussauds and the Thought Park, it, I wasn't actually there. I was uh, at Millennium Effects. She's lying. <laughs> <laughs> so I was at Millennium Effects and I worked on like little bits and bobs there that were then. So, you know, um, King Kong Skull Island. Oh, got it, got it. Along with Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, yeah. They created this ginormous Kong head that's animated and it even smells like dog breath. Like, it, it, it is crazy. Um, they made one for New York and one for London in the same um, um, Millennium Effects warehouse. Yeah. And so I helped on that. And then for Thought Park, I helped with the um, demons for the Darren Brown um, ride. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> so, um, and in Belgrade, that's the um, the show that I did last year. That was ten weeks. That was uh, partially funded by Belgrade. You did ten weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to see ten weeks in London at no, Bush. No, 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 it's not called ten weeks. Oh, I thought you meant <laughs> it's not it for ten weeks. Show for ten weeks. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it was called Sea View, and we did the pilot in 2019, where Corey, who's the artistic director of Belgrade. Corey Campbell, he um, reached out to me and 
um, it's so funny because that was a period where I didn't have much work. So I've been doing kind of well after uh, I'd graduated. I'd done a prosthetics on a film for short, which never came out, but. Um, <laughs> Tells the life <laughs> of Shelley. Like, you know, straight out of graduation, I'm doing something for film for, like that felt like a big deal. Um, and then work kind of dried up again. And then Corey reached out to me and we did the pilot in like nine days. And oh, wow. like really low budget, really chaotic. <laughs> And then two years later, we shot the first three episodes of the 10 weeks around Birmingham Coventry. And then we uh, had a premiere in November. But yeah, I spent a lot of time at Belgrade. I've never worked in the theatre, a yeah. show, but they utilise a lot of that space for other stuff. Like they really push, you know, talent in Coventry and the Midlands and all that kind of stuff. Going back to the question in regards to education, and we were speaking on this a little bit earlier, would you say your experience at, can I shorten it for UAL? UAL, yeah. Uh, UAL. And how that propelled you into the industry in terms of the education that you got. If somebody was to ask you advice, and I get this as well, like as an actor or performer, which is, would you do the route into the industry through education or would you do it like, let's say, just creating a portfolio, doing some shoots, creating content, assisting people, and then getting into the industry. Like knowing what you know now, what would you say? I would, so at the time for me, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know I was gonna be a makeup artist. I kind of landed that into that accidentally. I thought I was gonna be a prop maker. <laughs> and then I had my interviews and makeup was my backup. And the course leader actually told me herself, she was like, kind of sounds like you wanna do makeup. <laughs> and I was like, really? And then it was like a sort of epiphany moment. And then all my friends were like, we all thought you were doing makeup. Um, but yeah, with hindsight, I definitely wouldn't do the, especially the degree. It's one thing to do like a short course. Yes. I, would, I would I would say short courses are good. Okay. You can learn so much in the space of like, whether it's two weeks or five weeks or 10 weeks, they like squash all that information in there. And you're, you're paying like a big chunk of money, but it's actually worth it. Whereas a university course, I mean, without sort of hooping on my university, <laughs> they they sell it in a way. Because when you're that age, right, when you're 18, you don't see that university is a business. Ah, they're yes. to reel you in. Mm. So you see it as, oh, they're telling me this in the course. I, I'll believe them. <laughs> so they sold it as like, you learn all this prosthetics and how to apply, la, la, la. And then when you actually do the course, it's very limited on practical work. A lot of it's um, uh, design-based, character designing. So you, you're building your own character world. And then at the here and there, they'll be like, oh, this is how you not hair in a wig, or this is how you apply a prosthetic, or this is how you paint a prosthetic. But it's not like that super condensed, like you will be incredible at this at the end of it. Um. Do you know what I mean? And I do appreciate the character design side of it because it it's taught me how to look at a character inside out, but it's not worth nine grand a year. <laughs> Let's just say that. But yeah, I would I would say if someone came to me as like a 17, 18 year old and said, I want I want to be where you are, I want to be a, an incredible, talented, you know, um established makeup artist, I'd say practice even if it's just your friends or, or mom or your dad or whoever, practice on everyone you know. Obviously, practice on yourself is important, but doing this on someone else, like painting someone else's face and painting your own face is very different. 
practice on other people if you can even if you just get a ring light and a blank wall in your house like you don't have to book out a studio get some nice photos do a short course uh, in your specialized area and just keep practicing and reach out to people but like a linkedin's a good place to reach out to people like facebook mm-hmm. like there's there's groups and areas where you can reach out to like people on the same level as you who are also doing stuff for free so like i'll photograph this if you do the makeup this it's not paid but we're both building up our portfolio that's that's mm-hmm. the only acceptable free work i would say because <laughs> after that point where people are just like it's exposure it's like no that's yeah mm. but yeah that's what i would say read your bbc bite size interview and i looked at your work because you don't just do makeup like you do hair you do wigs you do prosthetics and you're really 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 good like painter and sketch oh. and a drawer like really i genuinely think you should go into it more and sell work on like whatever it is like etsy or maybe you know add it to your website and just do graphics and things like that but i say that to say i read your interview on bbc bite size which talks about how you kind of landed in the career that you're in but i'm interested in knowing what was that defining moment where you were like this is my speciality or this is definitely what i'm doing or are you still finding that and what was the first paid job that you had from that passion so be it in makeup and then prosthetics and what did you do with that paycheck I'm always interested to know <laughs> I'm probably still trying to find it a little bit but I remember the moment actually it was it was in uni because in uni they teach you sort of that the process is first design then it's like developing the design then you sculpt the design well first you have to make a head cast of someone the person that you're working on yeah then you sculpt on top of that head cast and this is obviously an elaborate makeup not every single prosthetic works this way but generally if you're making a big character uh and then yes yeah, so you sculpt it then you float it off then you refine the details then you make the silicon sort of uh, version of it um and you can either do that through with like fiberglass or there's simpler ways of doing it with like clay or like a reverse silicon mold then you actually have the prosthetics then you can apply it to the person and then you paint it and then you finish and all that kind of stuff. They didn't really clarify this in uni, but to be a makeup artist, you don't have to do all of that. <laughs> like there's different departments for that. And that wasn't clear to me. So I remember having sort of a panic, like I don't like mold making, which is like the beginning stages of it. I love mold making. Oh no, I see, I, for me, like I had girls in my class that was their favorite part, whereas for me, it was the painting and applying. And oh. I didn't realize that you didn't have to do all of it. So every job, you know, there's not one person doing it from start to finish. Mm. Um, and once I realized that, oh, I don't have to do all of it. Then I was kind of, okay, I definitely want to paint and apply. That's who I want to be. I want to be on set I don't want to be in a workshop mold making and messing about with clay obviously that happens still sometimes if I'm making my own prosthetics in terms of the grand scale I want to paint and apply and the first job that I got paid for in prosthetics was the film for one and that was a process where it was from start to finish so it was four months of tests we did about seven makeup tests and a camera test oh yeah I mean like um and I was in charge of like the lead character, which was crazy. And she was like a lizard lady. Um, so she had like green scaly skin. And a lot of the testing was like, how translucent we want the skin to be? Do we want it to be freckled? How scaly? 
and we we just figured it out bit by bit with the producers and the director and that was a really cool experience especially coming out of uni I don't remember what I spent the money on <laughs> probably trainers and makeup <laughs> like I genuinely don't remember what I spent the money on but now that I look back they 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 didn't pay me that much for how much work I did I think I got paid 800 pounds for the whole four months oh wow they were like oh we'll buy you out with 800 and at the time 800 sounds sounded like so much money to go, I wasn't yeah paid for that but now it's like, okay they would sort of you know they knew I was fresh out of uni were you happy with the work that you produced or now you're just like no it could have been <laughs> I was really I think because they because it was film four and because there was so thorough there wasn't any room for error yeah so I couldn't get anything wrong so right. I'm happy with how I looked <laughs> I think if there was a bigger budget, it would have been better. Yeah. But for what we did and for what I did, because you know, I, I sculpted everything myself. I molded it all myself. I applied oh. it all myself, painted it all myself. Like it was a big job for one person. And I think I did a pretty good job. It's a shame it never came out though. <laughs> have pictures if I'm correct in saying, because yeah, I, I did ask them like, can I post, you know, it'd been like three years since it was supposed to come out. And I was like, can I, can I post a picture? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some pictures of the molds and things like that. I thought it was yeah. brilliant. I just want to pick on the happiness aspect of it. If I was to ask you this question, I, I'm intrigued to know your answer, which is like, what about your field excites you the most? Regardless, you know, we'll get into the to the other parts, but what like makes you happy and like excites you and makes you want to go, you know what, this is this is why I do what I do. Like whenever you, t- you were just talking about prosthetics and applied and stuff and you were just like so giddy. And uh, I was just intrigued to know if that is what it is or it's different things. So in terms of like the actual makeup side of things, definitely like seeing it come together. Mm. That is always so exciting, whether it's like beauty or prosthetics. Because obviously with beauty, it's kind of like the like, oh wow, like I did a good job. You look snatched, like you look so <laughs> good. And then with <laughs> with prosthetics it's like when you see it coming together and you're painting the skin and it's starting to blend from from the silicon into the person and then you start adding the little bits of blood or or whatever it might be and it looks more and more and more real um that that bit when it comes together and you freak people out with it as well especially people who haven't been around prosthetic because they're like oh and I'm like yes I did my job <laughs> um and then in terms of like the job as a whole, being on set and seeing like magic happen in front of the camera and seeing everyone's roles like come together. So like whether it's like production design or costume styling or lighting or like seeing dancers or actors act, like all of seeing all of it come together in front mm-hmm. of you. Because I've been obsessed with film since I was a kid. So like being there and present and yeah. seeing it, that's the magic bit for me. That's always the magic with me. I'm like I'm like oh my god I'm getting paid to be here (laughs) this is so cool (laughs) what was your earliest memory because you just talked about like you've been obsessed with films like ever since what was your earliest memory of being like oh my god mm. so I remember when I was really young my mom like insisted on us watching Forrest Gump and I definitely was too young I haven't seen it what no no I haven't seen it sorry I think I was probably about like I don't know how old I was but I remember she was so excited to show us it and I was so excited to watch it (laughs) and it's so long it's like the runtime is definitely over two and a half hours I think and I just remember loving it so much and I remember seeing Harry Potter for the first time in cinema 
Philosopher's Stone. I was five years old. Yes, Harry Potter. Uh, I was so I remember it so vividly because we watched it and then we went to see it again. And I was like walking hand in hand with my grandma. And I was like, there's this bit and there's a face comes out of a book and it's really scary. And I was just so excited to like for her to see it in the cinema. That was like a really vivid memory. And then also Star Wars, like the um Yes. Yeah, Star Wars from a young age because my dad's a big nerd and he loves Star Wars, Star Trek and Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. So I remember all of that very vividly like from my childhood. This is my childhood as well. Like literally <laughs> Star Trek, such a Trekkie, Star Wars, <laughs> such a like a massive fan. And like, are you talking about the one with Natalie Portman or are you talking about? Well, the one- they came out when I was a kid. So yeah. they were the first ones I remember seeing. And then I remember um, they would show I think it was around Christmas, they would show in order every Sunday on like Channel 4, ITV. Yeah, and yeah. Every Sunday. And then obviously we had them all on DVD. Um, DVD. Then- I was going to say, for those of you who do not know what DVDs are, Amrita wants to know DVDs are, kids. <laughs> it was also Blu-ray as well, just want to say. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, when I was about 14, I just became ridiculously obsessed with Lord of the Rings. I would watch the whole trilogy, extended edition, every week. So that's like 12 hours and my family sick of me like they would come home from work and my sister would come home from college and they'd be like what are you doing stop watching it <laughs> and that's where I first found my interest in prosthetic wait Gandalf the grey or Gandalf the white oh that is a hard question maybe grey really because there's know. more going on I'm all about white I, I I'm I'm split it's 50 50 for me I love both. Gandalf the White is like so powerful. I love how straight and silky his hair is as well. I do as well. I just want to know what was it? Like it's a nice, it's a lovely lace front. It's such yeah, a... Yeah, no, the, the, wig, the wigs on, especially like Lord of the Rings, the Harry Potter films, they're incredible. All right. Legolas, smash or pass? <laughs> My family's going to listen to this. <laughs> so? Um, Come on, it's Legolas. I'm more, no, I'm more of an Aragorn kind of girl. I did like Aragon, but he gets a little bit too much. The where where he gets me is when he brings the what is it the ghost army. Oh, I love that bit. Return that's my favorite bit. Yeah, that's my favorite bit. So good. Oh, and where is it when the what is it the king when he goes crazy as well and he's burning his son oh, alive? Yeah. Oh my god. Um, what's his name? Oh, I've totally blanked. But that you know what always annoys me about him is there's a scene where he's eating and he oh the meat so loud <laughs> and he like bites into this cherry tomato and it squirts and it's disgusting oh my god it is nasty i hate it <laughs> i do hate it it's so nasty oh my god we could talk about harry potter that <laughs> should be another thing but yes you were saying what were you saying <laughs> um oh well yeah when i was 14 <laughs> yes i started watching every dvd that i would like get into i would watch the behind scenes uh on the dvds and Lord of the Rings DVDs, the ones that we had anyway, the extended ones, they had like endless footage, mm. endless like about everything. And so I just watched all of them, like five, six hours straight. I just watched them. The one, the one that really stuck in my mind was like the orcs, like them, like mm. the orcs, the actors into the prosthetics, and then like the Hobbit feet and um, creating Gollum. And like I remember this bit where they were like painting on each little vein, and I just could like I. As a 14-year-old, in my head, I'm like, I'm just watching this film. I'm not thinking about who's making them. So when I'm seeing, like, oh, wow, like, someone actually designed this. Someone painted this. Someone created this. Yeah. Like, a real job. And that, like, blew my mind. That kind of stayed with me for a long time. Uh, and then, obviously, my dad was like, dentist. 
So I, I was there, like, yeah, I'm gonna be a dentist. And then after a few years, that kind of went away. <laughs> discuss some beautiful other things and let's discuss the shitty industry that we work in. <laughs> um, two questions, actually first question. What are some of the brutal lessons the industry has taught you? And what would you say now at the space where you're at and we're all a work in progress, so you don't need to, you know, have the answer to it but what would you say let's say versus your first job to versus now if you were to be faced with that issue or that problem again or mentally get triggered in something you'd be able to deal with it better like what tools do you have now it sounds like brutal I assisted don't name drop don't name drop drop. (laughs) I assisted a very well-known makeup artist and they were just horrible to me the whole day just bullied me literally at the time it was the first ever person I'd ever assisted so going Uh, from like assisting no one to assisting like someone very well known was really intimidating and I was terrified when I got the job I was like no I don't want to do it because I was so scared yeah I was terrified my family was like you'll be fine fine." I'm like no I'm really scared I think my gut was telling me that it was going to be horrible because it was from the moment I got there down to like racist comments from the hairstylist like yeah it was intense and it's it's funny like saying it but it's not funny but my Fitbit recorded that uh I was exercising for 13 hours (laughs) (laughs) it was so high (laughs) the whole day because he was just he was horrible and in my mind I was like okay this is the first time I assisted is this what assisting is like Mm -hmm. but then I talked to my other makeup artist friends were like no it's not like this they're not all like this like a prop I promise you it's not this horrible um but that really put me off like looking at for more assistant jobs and it made me really sort of anxious uh even when I see his face it makes my heart raise like he was just horrible to me Damn. Um, but at the same time I kind of feel like well I had the worst of it and I survived so anything that kind of hits me now I think I'll be able to get through it and when I have those moments of like insecurity or imposter syndrome or like I'm on set and I'm anxious or thinking like people don't like me or anything like that I kind of put myself in the context of I'm here to do a job they hired me for my talent I'm here to demonstrate that talent and mm-hmm. do the job and get paid at the end of it same as any other job so even if anything's triggering me it's like, okay this is my job I'm just going to do it but obviously the nice thing about the industry is you meet so many cool people um so on the flip side of that it, it's always nicer when it's not horrible mm. <laughs> so obvious but like it's the one of those weird jobs is like you're not with the same people every day yeah um, it's always kind of nerve-wracking a little bit because you just don't know what you're walking into um so that's when I put that mindset on of like okay I'm here to do my job to the best of my ability and get paid at the end of the day if I make a friend I make a friend but I'm not here to make friends mm. um reminding me of like America's next top model I'm not here to make <laughs> friends I'm here to win this competition um yeah that kind of you know and obviously if if I wasn't making friends at all I wouldn't have met you like I wouldn't be we, we wouldn't be talking right now like go on if I just saw that as another job yeah you know, it would just be like okay I'm doing makeup and that's that but you know you can't help it if you get along with someone and become friends after and yeah. that's 
a big, big perk of the job. Friends for life. You mentioned this and I was intrigued genuinely when I was writing my questions because I think from a performance perspective, the industry still got a long way to come when it comes to like representation, right? So I have always seen Asian makeup artists, but that is also because for a large chunk of my life, I was working in South Asian projects or I was working in a dance industry which was very specific to being South Asian or like doing Asian brides so it was very much like either it was female makeup artists but in in the world of like other things that are not South Asian would you say that still the industry is massively underrepresented when it comes to a just being ethnic b being South Asian and c being a woman and also do you get boxed because as actors and performers sometimes when we come from a specific background or the color of our skin or how we look I I think like now things have progressed but we still get boxed and stereotyped do you have that or you don't deal with that at all no I definitely deal with that um I think it's different for each uh like sector of makeup so like for prosthetics I think it's very white male dominated okay um so it's not that there aren't women of color or even like men of colour, it's it's just that the the sort of the ones at the very top are pretty much all white men. And a lot of them are people I really look up to. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, is it one of those weird ones where it's like my idols are all white men? Like <laughs> weird. Um when I grow up, I wanna be a white man. I wanna <laughs> but I think it's it's very slowly changing. I I know a makeup artist, Sangeet, and he's amazing. Like, his work is incredible. He's at his studio, Sangeet. And I think he's half Indian, half... I don't want to get it wrong, but he's half something else. um, I think it's Spanish, maybe. He's incredible. He's such a big talent. Like, I want to see his name in more spaces. It's Mm. like, he's known, even when there's there's times where it's like, for example, they want to push projects and bring on people of color mm-hmm. his name is not always there and it, it doesn't make sense to me it's like why is his name not there mm-hmm. um, and another amazing makeup artist I met Sunita she um just wrapped when I met her she just wrapped on Batman and her credentials are insane and she's like the nicest person ever and she's taught me so much like I only knew her for a short period of time and I learned so much from her so when I worked with her I was working with Nikesh oh okay and he actually said he was like I've never worked with a South Asian makeup artist and now I'm working with two wow on on the on the job that we were on he he was like I can't believe I've got two on one job and he's been in the industry for over a decade and he's worked on really cool stuff and the fact that he has a South Asian makeup artist is crazy but yeah, I think in prosthetics, yeah, it's definitely white and male. In make like beauty makeup, I think it is more varied. It is it is still quite white. There's the odd names that stand out, but then a lot of the time their their focus is is within black spaces only. And it's like I, I get it because they've created that space for themselves and rightfully so. But it should be that they can get a job on any production, not just on any merit, not just yeah. But yeah, even the job that we did, I'd never been around that many brown people on the set. Ever. Even just being called Amrita. Yeah. I, I said that to you on set, like, 
when like when she ever would call me over and be like, Amrita, I'd be like, this is so weird. Do people Amrita, 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 Amrita. <laughs> Amrita. Like even my friends call me Amrita, and it's fine because they they can't do the da. Oh, can they not? With the da and the ra. La. So I don't blame them. But being in a space like that, yeah. I never knew how like validating that was until I actually experienced it, which is so nice. But yeah, I think in terms of being boxed, being a woman in the industry in general is already very hard. And like, would you say even in makeup? Because yeah, even though it's, it's there's a lot of women in in makeup on set, there's a lack of respect from other departments. Like you know, you mm. get referred to as the glam team. It's like mm. no, we're not the glam team. <laughs> like <laughs> we're doing our jobs, but. It could be like a dirty makeup, like war, you know, dirty mud, blood. And they'll be like, oh, the glam team's over there. It's like, we're not glamming someone, actually. Like, it's just, and you know, you get the whole like, darling, can you come over here? It's like, it's just, it's, you know, sometimes it's okay to be called darling, you know, when you can take pictures, but like, you know, when you could tell, it's just patronizing. Mm. There's just not that same level of respect. And it's like, I'm expected to understand that lighting can take two hours, but lighting won't understand that makeup needs two minutes to fix something like (laughs) like there's just not that mutual respect yeah Um, so that in that sense i think there is work to be done how much of your work is affected by publicity and just name calling and you work as freelancer does the same aspect apply in your industry when it comes to like having your name attached to an agency or a specific person or an entity that will then usher you to big projects and things like that and does that bother you or do you ever question the route of things that people do like certain things like Huda right Huda Beauty she worked in what was it marketing and sales or something like that if I'm correct in saying something corporate and then she went into makeup and kudos to her like she really has a passion for it and I think she is created something great right but it was off she started doing like reviews and like doing silly little things and then that led to another thing to another thing to another thing do you ever consider those routes do you ever consider those things or are you just like yeah um I have considered them and a lot of people push me towards it because especially on Instagram I don't I don't use Instagram the way I used to use it I, I barely go on it anymore but yeah before for like a solid period of time I would post like my makeup recommendations skincare swatches when I got something new like it was consistent enough where people who I don't know would message me and say oh I I always trust your opinion on this and that feels like kind of like a micro influencer I guess yeah I only have about 2,000 followers it's not like you know I've got 10,000 and I've got a very specific audience for that but just you know the odd and it's a lot of it's a lot of South Asian girls and, and women which I I really like but uh, yeah a lot of them you know oh can you do a YouTube video for your you know makeup ru- everyday makeup routine or can you like you know like t- tell us that review of that skincare product you used or that kind of stuff and I've always just been too shy to film myself something I think that like many people don't think about is like when they look at influencers like, oh they're just taking pictures and making money it's like but imagine being like mentally stable enough to take a picture of yourself every day. Like, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I find that quite impressive. And I've got friends who are influencers. You know, my friend Alice, one of my best friends, she's got 
over half a million followers and she's been big she's very recognizable because she's been on youtube for a few years she's she used to be on tumblr and now she's on instagram as well of course there's going to be days where your mental health is saying no you're not going to do this but mm. that's your job you yeah. have to sit in front of the camera and that brand that's telling you we need this uploaded by this day so you have to sit in front of that camera and i find that quite um impressive in that way because i couldn't do that and maybe that's just me and my own relationship with myself and my body image but i think a lot of women young women go through that whether it's like filters and editing and there's so many things especially like for us when we were young our main sort of uh social media influence in that sense of like body image would have been like films magazines celebrities yeah whereas now just a regular girl can be someone's idol i think that's even more scary because they're thinking why don't i look like this normal girl so i actually really feel for that generation and no it makes me worry because i've got like nieces and stuff and i'm like i don't know what they're seeing if there's only so much you control you can control it but yeah for me i just couldn't i don't think i could do that and i don't know how much reach i'd get without filming myself yeah because it's all about sort of you and it's around the persona and the person all that kind of thing so that's what's put me off i think if i was really comfortable with myself in that way i probably would have become a micro influencer and i actually enjoy stuff like video editing and like you know that kind of thing do you want to edit this interview then <laughs> <laughs> but i haven't done a lot of it but i do enjoy it when i do do it so yeah. i think I, i would probably be a successful influencer but i just don't i i never you know jumped over that hurdle and i think in the industry there is changing now but when i kind of graduated it was sort of we were told like it looks very unprofessional if you have a picture of yourself on your profile yeah. your portfolio it's very unprofessional you should only have your professional work pictures of other people because anyone could do the makeup on themselves um <laughs> um you'll be a vain bitch <laughs> yeah like you know you can practice a million times yourself mm. but can you do it on someone else like can you line another person's lip because it's not as easy as it sounds mm. so i was kind of taught that so sometimes even when i think oh should i do this makeup look on myself and post it on my work page that little voice comes in it's like no not professional um but i think that's changing now because there are people who do do that and still yeah. are really successful like even for example do you know Giselle Giselle makeup no she's a uh, this amazing makeup artist and she posts herself all the time and i'm pretty sure she just i don't know if they've wrapped but she just worked on the new season of luther okay she works with Cynthia Rivo a lot oh, wow she's like a celebrity makeup artist she's doing really well for herself and she's very sought after and she posts yeah. herself all the time so that rule's been broken i think but i just don't think it's for me would um, you ever align yourself with a brand or a celebrity like is that something you would be interested in down the line of course like never say never but like yeah as in like being their personal makeup artist yeah well i was uh you know rachel chinariri she's a singer she's really really big on tiktok at the moment like her songs have just gone viral on tiktok but um she's this amazing like indie uh singer and i worked with her for about a year and i would i would say i was her personal makeup artist i was doing all her music videos her photo shoots all that kind of stuff and it is fun because you you really, it's one of those things that you don't always get where you're with the same person a lot mm-hmm. so that familiarity that sort of you don't have to think oh what's this person's skin going to be like how they're going to sit in the chair 
yeah first or you know you don't have to think about the thing because you're doing the same thing you know what you're doing um and there's actually a makeup artist totally blanked on her name terrible but she met leo dicaprio in 1995 mm-hmm. it was either romeo Juliet or titanic one of them and he just sort of asked for her again yeah and then she slowly just became his makeup artist and then she ended up being oscar nominated for the revenant oh wow she was her per- his personal makeup artist for like x amount of years yeah and a lot of people, you know, a lot of celebrities stick with the same makeup artists in that sense. So I think there is sort of a, an appeal to that because it's sort of consistency in an industry that's so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of an agency, a lot of people do have agents. I just don't know if I'm at that stage of my career yet. Yeah. Um, I think it's more popular in fashion um, Yeah, to have an agent. But film and TV, you kind of just work your way up through experience and and uh, who you know. So I'm still kind of m- trying to make that leap, I think, because I haven't worked on anything high end yet, high end TV or film yet. Coming, coming, coming soon. Coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Let's talk about the evolution of prosthetics, makeup, hair, and makeup trends. That's it. That's my. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about it. What are some of the things that have evolved through time that you're here for, be it doing like casting work? Like I remember when back in the day you needed to make like a cast of a face. What is that thing, the paper thing that has like dots? Oh my God, what is it? It's like so thick. Mod rock. Yeah, and you you wouldn't need to make it. And like we Vaseline the shit out of my face and then do that. Like I feel like that's changed because you no longer need to do that. Like there's other mediums that people use and what are some of the makeup trends that like you know that you are like thank god we have evolved from that even though certain things are coming back um so evolution of prosthetics back in the day this is before my time uh, <laughs> a little before my time before my time <laughs> um it was mostly like latex foam latex for prosthetics mm-hmm. which is kind of like it, they still use it now but I would say, I mean, someone might prove me wrong, but from what I've seen, they tend to use foam more for like uh, creature prosthetics. So say you're covering someone's, most of someone's face. Mm-hmm. Foam work, latex works really well, but silicon became really popular probably, I might be wrong, but like 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and silicon's just incredible. Like foam's r- incredible as well, but the way silicon mimics real skin is just really cool and it's a lot easier and more straightforward to um make like foam you have to have a specific oven and it's a bit finicky i mean it's all finicky it's all complicated <laughs> like prosthetics are hard but silicon's just got that i mean like painting it and there's just yeah silicon is the way to go for me personally but you can get aging products now it's just called uh wrinkle stipple there's one by a brand called bluebird and it's kind of like gooey and brown and it looks incredible like it's so subtle and it just creates these little wrinkles and folds and, and okay so that's prosthetics i'd say silicon is like a big step forward and what you were saying about head casting people still do the traditional way yeah uh, i think it just depends on budget so okay you can do the more fancy ways if you've got the budget like i, I mentioned to you that guy uh pro renfx mike marino mm-hmm 
He does the fancy new way, I think. I'm saying fancy new way because I don't know what it's called. I was just saying, what is the fancy new way again? Remember? Uh, it's like a, I think it's almost like 3D printing. Oh. Uh, I could be wrong, but that's what I've seen like clips of. Got it. But I haven't had like a class in that or anything. But yeah, I think that's like a the new the new way to do it. And then there's also like these gels that I've seen. I don't know. I haven't tried that before, but it's like they pour it on. But I, I haven't tried that all. I don't like know. hot wax, just hot wax. <laughs> Imagine it. And then makeup trends. Okay, so you know this like fluffy brow trend. I feel like I'll get a lot of oh, thing out. <laughs> so right, you know when like people like a laminated brow. Yes, I've seen those. I mean, sometimes it looks amazing, but like. For me, for example, my own brow, I will comb them upward in the same way, but I kind of push the top down. Yeah. It creates like a really solid shape. Whereas some people just leave them straight up, like all the way up, like standing. And it's just not for me. I just don't like it at all. I think it's happening. Do you remember the pencil eyebrows? That was a trend, man. That was like like the blocks, like the blocks. No, literally, like about this thin. Like, oh, they're coming back now. No, shut up. No, they're not. I swear to God, thin brows are coming back. Fuck off. Like, we've just gone thick eyebrows. Thin (laughs) eyebrows are not coming back. Obviously, not everyone's going to go for it, but then people who are very much into their fashion and trends and all that. So, like, there's a trend going on TikTok right now where there's a filter called thin eyebrows. And it shows you what you look like with thin eyebrows. And women are actually going out and getting their eyebrows put thinner. And all the comments are like, no, they're not going to grow back. No, bleach, <laughs> if anything, like bleach them. I'm here for bleached eyebrows. I, I love, love a bleach eyebrow. Brow. I love a beach brow. I don't do, uh, like, even like with like, say I got like a fringe. Yeah. I look, I look crazy because I look weird without my eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> you see how weird my face looks at eyebrows? I love a bleach brow. I think it's I so love cool. it, it's not on me. Fair enough. I think what is right. the weirdest look you've ever done that you're just like, mm, maybe not, no, no more. I did this blue look once a couple of years ago. And then Every agent goes through a blue, blue, gold, red. Those are three ones. I deleted it because um, I was just like, I don't know. I, it was it was that feeling of, oh, I've posted myself. Oh, bruv, I need to see it. I need to see I it. It's not on my Instagram anymore. You need to um, see it. But I'll, I'll send you a picture of it. Um, and then... In terms of like create like the way I look in general, I did like a blonde, you know, like a Narcissa Malfoy. Oh, I'm here for that. I did like a huge bleach blonde like under the ears. Oh. Like when my hair's like this, you couldn't see it. And then when I do this, it was all blonde. What's the shortest you've had your hair ever? Would you... Above the boob. Above the boob. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the longest? Longest like past my bum. I feel like you've cut your hair since I last saw you. Because it was quite long when I saw you. Yeah, I cut a little bit off just because I, I, I've got post-COVID hair loss. I loved your hair. It was very thick. It's not, th- it's not thick anymore. Uh, I mean, it's only been like a couple of months. It can't have been. But literally, I'll send you a picture of how... I took a picture of how much hair comes out when I wash my hair. Yeah, but women just lose... Like, I remember working at a gym, right? Like, y'all lose hair like there's no tomorrow. And I would have to get in the shower and Ooh. literally... It was disgusting. I don't know how you guys have hair. I really just don't understand. You guys no, shed hair. This is different. Like, I know that I shed hair, but this is different. It's like, uh, it just... I can do this and it just comes out post-covid hair loss i'm doing that rosemary tea in my scalp to help i've seen it. those trends going around are you doing it where you boil it and then do the yeah, whole and put it in a spray bottle <laughs> i just um 
I'm just like coconut oil all the way. Just been doing that my entire life. Rosemary's like scientifically proven though. That's why I'm going for the rosemary. All right, all right, sure, sure, sure. If you didn't have the support and if you just had challenges and you take away certain things that make you who you are and give you the passion to be doing the things that you do. So whether that is confidence, whether that is your spirituality, whatever that is, would you still continue to do what you're doing today? That's a deep question. This is a deep show. Very deep question. <laughs> I'm kind of like in the middle of that right now. Like, yeah. Um, if if I had more confidence, if I had more financial stability, if I had more, the main thing is confidence, probably. I would probably be a lot further in my career than I am. Mm. But my lack of confidence, my mental health, not making enough money to sort of rent and be consistent that uh, has stopped me from really, really getting to where I want to be. Like, I, like I'm like i so lucky that I have a home base, that I have the home base that I do, and I have my parents. And, like, it's not that I'm, I don't have money. Yeah. I save money from the jobs that I've done but it's not consistent enough for me to go okay I'm going to move back to London and I'm going to rent especially with the gas prices everyone's talking about now <laughs> what is it 160 something right now I don't even want to know wait are you diesel or are you what are you no, no, not even like car gas like like house like you know everyone's oh yeah, yeah yeah the bill oh, okay gas and, and the crazy you know jump that it's made yeah um, and then also so I'm I haven't passed my driving test yet um and I put that off for a long time just out of anxiety and then when I actually got to it COVID kept delaying my theory some months and months and months and then when I finally was looking for a practical instructor he I had to go on a waiting list for like four months for the one person that was available bloody hell because there's such a backlog because of COVID yeah yeah just ridiculous and then now I'm sort of like pretty close to passing like I'm ready to in the next like three or four weeks, I think I'll be ready to book my test. But then it's like, okay, you might not get a test till July. So in my head, I've got this mental plan of like, oh, I'm going to pass my test and then I'm going to look for those big jobs because you kind of need a car for them. Mm-mm-mm. But now I'm like, oh, when am I when, when am I going to pass? Like, I don't know when I'm going to pass, but hopefully, you know, I'll look out for cancellations, that kind of thing. But yeah, that, that lack of confidence has pushed me back which is frustrating because it, it makes you wonder like where would I have been even like I watched Batman yesterday and I was thinking if if I'd had more confidence would I because I know some of the makeup artists who worked in it like if I had been more confident and pushed myself earlier on maybe I could have worked on that with them because it was shot primarily in London like it was yeah so you know when you see stuff like that it's like oh I could have been there I could have been there but it's like dwelling on that's not going to change anything you just got to focus on the now and I'm ready for like that next stage of my career I think um and like I was talking to you before like start therapy and it's really hard (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm working on like healing that part of myself and I think once I start to like learn to love myself a bit more I'll be I'll actually be ready for that phase of my career and I think that's a really big thing especially being creative like in particularly in filmmaking it's like if you're not ready to commit to like 14 hour days, you That's will collapse. It. Like you won't make it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I think a lot of people aren't there. Yet. They just, they're forced into it based on what well, I have to pay my rent. And that's where I'm lucky in that I have the home base. 
and I have that time to actually heal myself before that stage of life so in a lot of ways I'm lucky a lot of ways it's frustrating but I think it will all work out you did a uh, a post and you give credit to people and then at the end you wrote we aren't appreciated enough how comes so I want to ask you how comes you guys aren't appreciated enough who um I want to ask you what is the ultimate not goal, but desire, if you will. Is it consistency of work? Is it working on X amount of projects? Is it a feature film? Is it working with a specific actor? Like, what is the give? And then thirdly, how do you balance relationships in a healthy manner or just balance them whilst working in the industry? So that's whether being, you know, freelancer, whether that's romantic relationships, whether that's personal relationships with yourself or that's family. So yeah, all three questions, go. Um, okay, so that post, I made that post like five years ago. Things have changed since then in terms of, for example, like, you know, I was talking about like the BTS with like the Lord of the Rings and stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Most of that would have only been accessible like via DVD or Blu-ray. Whereas, and you know, obviously there's there's still productions that would release stuff like that online. But I've noticed there's a lot of investment in behind the scenes footage now. Mm. Game of Thrones or Euphoria or The Morning Show or you know whatever they're putting that content out there because audiences want to see it like they're you like it's probably one of the highest search things of like behind the scenes of this show like that's skincare isn't it Everything, <laughs> that shit. we talked about skincare so much <laughs> like people are ready to see that and they want to see it and I think before it was kind of like a a sort of magical mystery of like oh I wonder how they made that and only the real nerds would be like oh I know exactly how they made that whereas now it's more common knowledge of what roles are like I think before a lot of people thought the director is in control of absolutely everything it's like to make a film it's not oh this wouldn't be this without this or this they this made this film it's like no everyone made this film mm-hmm. it's people talking about Batman and I saw his tweet earlier and it was like, oh, the, the score made this film. And I know it's just a, a phrase. Even without the score, there's a million people who made that film happen. And that's no shade to that person saying that because it's true because the score is incredible. I haven't watched it and I don't know if I want to, by the way, I'm just saying. Because Christian Bale's my Batman. No, he's still worth watching. I just, I don't know. I feel like the uh, Robert Pattinson. I think it, it it was probably like 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes too long. Okay. Um, but other than that, I have I don't have that many qualms with it. I'll watch it when it comes out, like on Prime or Netflix. Oh, I thought you said it was coming out. It's already out. Yeah. I'm excited to see Zoe Kravitz, though. She's great in it. Good, great directors are aware of that. They know that they're like the conductor of the orchestra. orchestra. Like, yeah. they're there to do their job, but they know that they won't be able to do their job without everyone else who's also doing their job. And it's nice, like, I never would have seen someone talking about, like, DPs and stuff on Twitter. Like, oh, mm-hmm. Greg Fraser is amazing. And seeing people talking about the director of photography on Twitter, like, for me, that's just kind of amazing because you just wouldn't have seen that before. So Good. that's why I'm saying, like, in the last five years, I think things have changed a lot. And I think even like shows like Euphoria, like everyone's talking about the makeup. Everyone's talking oh, because they use that anti-poor thing, don't they? Well, yeah, season two, they've done that. But like yeah. in season one, like that, the way that everyone was talking about it, like obviously there's films where people talk about the makeup, but it wasn't to that extent where it's so, mm. you know, it's everywhere. 
so I think there is more appreciation now, even like the Game of Thrones film they did um, at the very end of season eight, and they didn't just do the big, huge, you know, head of departments. They were doing like the guy who does the snow. Yeah. <laughs> like little things like that. And there's this real appreciation for like crew now that's slowly happening. It's just that I think within that actual film industry, it's not happened yet, as in like, yeah execs aren't appreciating and paying enough and all that kind of stuff um and obviously there's been strikes about that i think it is changing for since since i wrote that i think it's changed massively you triggered it 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 was all me it's all me i take credit (laughs) so i think they tie into each other because for me my ideal situation is being financially comfortable and successful in my career without compromising the rest of my life mm-hmm. I think a lot of people struggle with that in this industry because of like, like I was saying like 14 hour days and stuff like that um you don't you don't get a life outside of it and that's what people were striking about and have been striking about people were saying stuff like you live at work and you visit home yes being in film is like <laughs> and I don't think that's acceptable I think at the end of the day it's not a, a job like for example the NHS where it's so crucial and obviously art is necessary art is essential but it's a, like it's just a tv show like it's just <laughs> like you can add another two weeks to your schedule and take an hour off the day mm. Do you know what I mean? like it doesn't have to be a 14 hour day it could be a 10 hour day which is still a long day like <laughs> you could and the, the money's there like it's possible it, and even small budget you know they if they can do it why can't the bigger productions do it and I think there's a fight for that at the moment and I would like to be in the equation where the fight's been won I'm working those hours and having a social life and being able to see my family and being able to take off a day off work without being like completely penalized like I think that's really hard in this industry to like say oh I can't be here today it's like no no there's no you can't take a day off it's like if my cousin's getting married and they're saying will you have be free this day in six months I'm like I don't know (laughs) like my god this job's so crazy I have no idea if I'm going to be off that day like you're asking me way too far in advance and I don't like that side of the industry and I want to be able to have a life and like travel and enjoy food and be social and you know all those things so that would be like my ideal situation in terms of relationships because I think that really takes a toll and like even like my boyfriend he's in he's just entering the industry and he's got a placement to be in high-end television and mm-hmm. one of our first conversations was just like pure panic because I was like when I'm gonna see you like <laughs> when I'm gonna see you bye. <laughs> like I don't know because he's gonna be so tired jumping into like a role where you're working those crazy hours it's like yeah I don't know when we'll see each other. So it is scary in that way that that sometimes I'm envious of people with like regular jobs where it's just a nine to five and they leave their job at work and then they can go out for drinks with their girls or whatever and go out yeah. and have pasta and go to bed at a normal time and actually do their skincare routine and look after themselves and like go to the gym and like, what? You can do that. <laughs> like, so yeah. And then ideal job. So one of the makeup parts you mentioned, not in the podcast, but before, uh, Donald Mower. Oh yes, he's my all-time fave. Apart from Rick Baker, he's like my. You know how I was saying like I love painting and applying. Yes, he's like a painting and applying genius, and he does beauty. He kind of does it all, as in does it all in what I want to do. Like on that side of things, 
he's just like at the top of his game. He works with Denis Villeneuve all the time. He's been nominated for Dune. He worked on Prisoners. Oh wow! Blade Runner. He was head of department for all of them, and he even like goes into inner city schools and and talks to like young black kids oh. about like these are career options you could have. Like you don't have to go down the regular route. Yeah, I've met him twice, and he's just so lovely. It would be an absolute like dream to be on his team. Like that would be like ideal situation. Let's put it out there. Putting it out there. Like I yeah. I have like a manifestation meditation thing, and I literally see myself on set with Denny on some like huge film set I've got my trailer and Daniel Kaluuya coming in and, <laughs> and he's like you're the best makeup ever and I'm like oh thanks. there you go <laughs> all right are we ready to play some games oh, I'm scared you got this the game section is called <laughs> super child play with right where we play with right, and if you don't want to play, you sip your chai, but hopefully you won't do that. <laughs> We're gonna start off with our first round, which is called If I Was. So if I was to say, if I was a color, what would you be? You'd say blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? All right, this is gonna be quick, quick, quick. Like the first thing that comes into your mind, don't think about it, just do it. All right, if I was a movie, what would the title be of my movie? Go. Insecure Brown Girl. Insecure Brown Girl. <laughs> and what would the storyline be? About an insecure brown girl? <laughs> yeah, but you have to be like the IMD version. Do you know what I mean? Oh, ne- okay. Neha goes um, to a village and then she's... <laughs> you know? A story about a young brown girl growing up in a white town, navigates life through music, art, friendship. Here for it. All right. Now, I usually say if there was a title song of the film, what would it be? But since the, if you don't want that, I was going to say, what would be a makeup trend from the film that would just take off? Dark circles. That sounds crazy. What, like, here? People are like, oh, shit. Those dark circles are really good. Those are popping. We're going to start drawing in our dark circles now. Lil Mama's going to... No more concealer. Little mom's going to be like, my dark circles is hot. My dark circles is popping. (laughs) If you were a... Oh, who would star in it? Frances McDormand. (laughs) Who would play you? (laughs) Not who she would play me. (laughs) As the brown girl. Who would play me? I don't know enough brown actors. There's just lack of representation, man. Um, Uh, There's enough brown actors, okay? But like ones that I can think of. Okay. um, Around my age. Or like a young one. I don't know. Damn. Just Frances McDormand just comes into your head. <laughs> wow. She's going to play the brown girl, you guys. Racism exists. <laughs> if you were a drink, what would you be? Lemongrass tea. If you were a food, what would you be? Chili beneath. If you were a fruit, what would you be? Mango. If you were a colour, what would you be? Green. If you were a flower, what would you be? Uh, sunflower. If you were a clothes, me too. Oh. If you were a clothing item, what would you be? Hoodie. Okay. If L'Oreal has the tagline, you're worth it, and Max Factor is the London look, and Cover Girls, it's easy, breezy, beautiful. Cover Girl. If you were to have a makeup brand, what would the tagline be? Anyone can do it. And it's kind of a ripoff of L'Oreal, but sure. Is it? What, yeah, because you're worth it. it and you're so- worth it. Mm. But anyone can do it. Let's just go with that right now. You, you put him on the spot here. Okay, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is the next section, which is called What Would You Rather? 
All right, are you ready? I'm gonna give you some names, and you have to tell me which one you would choose to do this with. All right, so you have to create a makeup line with the with one specific person. I'm gonna give you five names, and you have to choose only one: Amanda Knight, Love Larson, Daniel Phillips, Scott Barnes, or Rick Baker. Um, Rick Baker. You have to have them as your assistant for an eight movie project for Marvel. Let's go with Barry Gower, Donald Mowat, 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 Charlotte Tilbury, Pat McGrath. Uh, what was it? Eva von Barr. Donald. And Donald. I would be seeing him, but okay. Okay. Do <laughs> a beauty shoot for Vogue, like their main main cover. Jojo Williams, Mike Mariano, Love Larson, or let's put Amanda Knight back in there. It was the first one you said? Jojo Williams. Probably Jojo. It's a Vogue cover. Okay, cool. What would you rather? Get rushed to do makeup on set or have a diva person to do their makeup on for hair, prosthetics or makeup? Diva. Diva all the way. What would you rather? Be rich or critically acclaimed? Rich. (laughs) What would you be? Be famous (laughs) slash well-known or just be a working artiste? If I was famous within my uh, industry... I don't care about being generally famous. Okay, cool. Netflix or Prime? Netflix. Theatre or film? Film. Gulab jamun or laddu? Ooh, laddu. Dal or saag paneer? Saag paneer. Lassi or daru? Lassi. I don't know Why? what daru is. Daru is like alcohol. Oh, I've never heard that word before. Daru, it's Hindi yeah. or Punjabi as well. It depends. Okay. Um, Bollywood or Punjabi movies? I don't watch either anymore. You do know there's a section coming up, which is how dissy are you? So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Um, Two quick questions. Three makeup slash hair or prosthetic secrets for dummies. Go. If you hold your mirror at your chin, it's easier to do your eyeliner mascara. Why are you looking? What are you looking for? Because you told me this question. I wrote wrote down because I was stressed. Oh, pink powder with yellow powder. Okay. Don't use yellow powder, use pink. For what? Just setting? Yeah, don't contour in the hollow of your cheek, contour above it. Yeah, everybody's been saying that recently. I'm really here for that. Um, okay, you worked with two people who I have had a crush on, Nikesh and Adriana Lima. So it is only right that I ask you, what did they smell like? <laughs> I, I, I think I remember telling Nikesh he smelled good. Yeah, but describe I, his smell to me. I don't remember it specifically, just very manly. I think it was kind of like a musky warm scent. Okay, okay. Um, Adriana fresh like just really fresh and clean uh, she, she came in with no makeup on and like really casual she's she's even more beautiful in person which I didn't think was possible I can imagine I can imagine all right next up the section is called how busy are you <laughs> I will take away your ethnic card if you cannot do this Basically, <laughs> oh, no. you are no longer ethnic after this <laughs> finish the lyric Oh, okay, God. I'm going to give you a little bit of lyrics. Chandu ki chacha ne chandu ki chachi ko Chani ratni chan Chum chis chani chadai I got it wrong, I know I got it wrong I was close <laughs> you, you got the gist of it, I'll give you 0.5 Okay, finish the lyric Mehndi laga ke rakhna I know it, I don't remember what the first word is Okay, then hum the tune to me if you can do that It's the same tune as what you just did Duh, it's not, it's for you to finish <laughs> like, do it again. Mehndi laga ke rakhna. Na 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 na. 
Okay, well done. I'll give you 0. 0.5 for that again. Okay. Na 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 re na re na re sade naal ravoge te. Wait, I know the song, but I don't know the rest of the lyrics. Ooh, uh, this is becoming a very Dalair Mendi. Sade naal ravoge te, ashikaroge. Name a song by Diljit Dosanjh. Um, Patiala Peg. Well done. Well done. You got one. <laughs> the four, most four, obvious one. full point. One full point. <laughs> Name a Bollywood film starring Madhuri Dixit. Um, I don't know. Chle. Okay. <laughs> People go like Devdas or like. I know. I don't know. Chle. I don't know. Chle. Um, name the last South Asian film you watched. Probably Bajra Mustani. Okay. Name a song from that. Oh, I know it. I know it. It's the one where she comes in and she's like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> um, I regret to inform you that you are not Desi. <laughs> wow. You can't intimidate uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the end, my friend, of all the games. We are now about to finish up and we're going to do a quick fire round. You did well. Usually I make people dance. Usually I make people sing. Too much. It's too much. It's not enough. Uh, see, right. I feel like you've interviewed people who are like on stage and like like performing. I'm the one in the back hiding. <laughs> like... Yeah, but it still was nice. I was going to make you do something, but then I was like, I'm not sure. I was going to give you basically like 30 seconds to like I was gonna ask you if you could go buy a balloon and then I was gonna give you things and if you could do like their makeup or like prosthetics <laughs> I was like that is way too much oh and I don't think she's gonna do it <laughs> if you ever want to just let me know and we'll do that <laughs> all right that is the end and before we go into deep conversations again do you want to quickly do the deep questions and then end on a fun note or do you want to do a fun note and then end with deep stuff i think deep then fun sounds better deep than fun all right cool what words of wisdom would you give to your mirror self today go quickly i accept myself i love myself i deserve everything i desire oh oh okay she says this mantra all the time i can <laughs> tell um peaks and valleys is a question i love to ask people which is a high uh peak is a high point of your personal professional life what was it what lesson you learned from it uh valley is a low point of your personal professional life what was it what lesson you learned from it if it's too personal you don't need to say what it was you can just like roughly say the year or the ins- you know what i mean like coat yeah. around. um peak probably the the show that I did in 2021, the 10 weeks, I, it showed me how much I can develop the more I work, like my kit and my skills in the first week compared to the 10 week, 10th week, grew massively, like just from me learning from myself, Mm -hmm. showed me like, I just need to keep going. And the more I work, the, the better of an artist I can be. Okay. So, you know, I'm only at the beginning of my career, Imagine what I can achieve in like two years and five years and 10 years. Yes, ma'am. Valley, probably now. Now's probably my valley. You know, very little work. Like I've had one job in four months, which is crazy. And it it's hard to say that out loud, but I feel like, what, what you know, there's no point. Yeah. It. And what I've learned from that is that, like I said, like until I'm ready to like heal, I don't need to rush into anything. Mm-hmm. And this, this, you know, I've got my home base. I don't have to worry about rent. 
um, I've got my family, I've got my friends, I've got this time now, uh, and I can use it to my advantage. Yeah. And so I am. Ending up on a happy note, okay? We all love a rant. Who doesn't love a rant? This section is called Bitch Please, okay? You start your rant with Bitch Please or end it with Bitch Please, and you have 30 seconds to have this rant. Are you ready? In four. Wait, wait, wait. Let me think of something to rant about. Really? You haven't got anything to rant about? Oh, no, I need to think. Well, all right, ready? Four, three, two, go. People who eat loud need to learn how to eat with their mouth quietly. I can't deal with this anymore. Why am I hearing your jaw click? Why do your mouth sound like a washing machine? Why are you opening your lips when you're eating? I don't need to hear it. You can learn, you can learn, you can train yourself to eat quietly. Please, I'm begging you, for everyone, everyone around you, <laughs> you need to stop. Bitch, please. That is it, well done. <laughs> Bitch, please. Well, I have somebody who does that very close and I've just learned to live with it. That is the thing. That is the thing. Well, pal, this is the end. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, everyone, that brings us to an end and I hope you enjoyed that. I want to say a massive thank you to the guest for their time. All of the information about the guest, myself, and the show will be listed in the bio. Make sure to follow, share, comment, and subscribe. Show us all some love. Because isn't that what we want at the end of the day? Some love. Your support really helps the show and the message of it grow and the people that are on here. Thank you again. And as I always say, breathe in, breathe out. I must go. Which means now I must go. I own that. That is copyrighted. And I will sue. <laughs> okay. Have a great one and stay curious till next time.